Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to say how grateful I am for all of the support and kind words and beautiful emails that I have gotten about this podcast series. You know, I originally started it because it was a new way for me to um, express myself. Um, It was drawing on my journalist roots that I never got to explore in radio journalism and I think I just need a little little bit of a break from writing um so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a uh you know personal exploration for me but it has been so gratifying to see that it's been something that has really kind of impacted you guys as well Um, which is so much more than I could have asked for. And, um, yeah, every, every, every email, every kind word, every phone call, um, every Instagram comment, um, has been, has been really appreciated. So thank you. Um, the one thing I would ask if I am allowed to ask anything more, is that you continue to share it with people that you think will really connect with this series. Um, I know each episode's very different and, you know, they're not all going to appeal to everybody. Um, but the common thread is that in the feedback that I've been getting is that people feel really inspired by the end of an episode and that's all I could ask for. So, you know, send the link to people, let people know about it. Um, I have been very grateful, again, (laughs) so much gratitude, been very grateful to um, have appeared on the new and noteworthy list every week on iTunes since the podcast launched, which has been amazing. Um, And the only way that I'm staying there is because of the beautiful reviews um, and ratings that you guys have been given me. And... um, you know, you can't you can't do it through the app, which I know is a punish. You actually have to go into iTunes on your desktop and do it. And I know that it takes an extra little bit. 
um, in order to get that done, but it's only two minutes of your time. So if you haven't done it yet, um, I would really appreciate if you would. Um, the longer I can stay on that list, the better. And the aim now is to end up on the iTunes charts. So that's the next goal. Um, but enough about my amazing gratitude to you. I would love to introduce um, my two guests on the podcast today. This is my very first three-way, which is very exciting. Um, and it's with the girls from Wabi Sabi Well, Brian and Caitlin. And this interview was so much fun to do. I was, um, I was actually quite sick when we were doing this interview. Um, and a lot of the time, which I don't think you can hear um, throughout the track because I've edited it quite well, I must say, um, I couldn't breathe, was coughing a lot. Um, but luckily, these girls were just full of so much energy um, and so much wisdom and knowledge. And I have taken a lot out of this interview, and I know that you will too. Um, we, we're pretty much talking about... Um, you know, exercise today and finding this kind of, um, you know, balance between these really high impact exercises and, you know, like the slow, um, kind of meaningful, mindful practices of yoga and meditation and how it's possible to combine all of those together to create this really, really beautiful practice that can, um, benefit our bodies. Um, I will stop talking and let the girls explain it, but um, I hope that you take some gems out of this interview um, like I have. And um, as always, I would love to hear your feedback. So make sure that you send me an email or leave a comment on the blog or write a comment on Instagram. Like I said, I read all of them and I appreciate all of them. Well, is the antidote to the perfection-seeking bikini boot camp. So it's a holistic lifestyle design with an emphasis on feel-good fitness. Uh, and it originally started just as a personal training business in the backyard beaches of where I live, Byron. Um, and it's since expanded due to requests um, into an online kind of enterprise. So I'm now kind of globe trotting around and logging in and out of different countries um, and cities with Skype size sessions, um, which is really fun. So geography has really become irrelevant. But alongside that, I've also um, teamed up with Caitlin, who's absolutely amazing, and we're now really expanding into just more digital offerings. We've got a new website which offers free workouts and meditations and recipes and tutorials uh, and all sorts of things. So it just continues to evolve and is now kind of um, expanding into that realm. So that's a little bit of a, a nutshell, and I'll, I'll now pass it over to Caitlin, who has, I'm sure got a few things to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you, you put it well, as you always do, Bibi, but um, yeah, I think that you know, the sort of difference between what we do and what exists in the world already of fitness um, is that we're, we sort of look at a holistic picture. So it's about integrating the physical, of course, but also the emotional and spiritual elements so that um, we can really find holistic health in every aspect of our life. And 
really return to a state of balance and well-being holistically. Um, so it's sort of a different, it's sort of a different take on fitness. Um, and it really, I think, you know, when I met Brianne, I was doing um, some sessions with her because my mom was visiting from overseas and she wanted to do some personal training. So we um, had heard about Brianne and jumped in and did some sessions with her. And I just thought, you know, it was pure genius that she'd sort of come up with this formula that was so unique and so transformational and so powerful. And I just really wanted to, you know, take it, help her expand the offerings and um, take it to a wider audience because I think it's really powerful and I think it's really what the world needs right now. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit about... Um, I guess the background of it, and from a nuts and bolts perspective, um, the fitness aspect is kind of a blend of metabolism boosting movement. So that would be like, you know, cardio, core strength, toning, some yogic um, influenced exercises, and then um, mindful movement. So postural realignment, myofascial release, flexibility, again, yogic, a lot of yogic-inspired things, um, deep relaxation, so guided meditation. Um, we're really big on Shavasana, and that's something that we... <laughs> yeah, well, it's so funny because we just we did a blog post on why you shouldn't skip Shavasana um, maybe a few months ago, and it's like, it's something... I remember dashing out of Shavasana you know, when I first started doing it, I was like, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. But but now it's my it's my most favorite part and we always include it in the workouts because, you know, there's so much that happens in Shavasana that's so important. Um yeah, so that's a little bit about about sort of the nuts and bolts of how it works. But Well I mean, look, the thing that the thing that really appealed to me with Wabi Sabi well was this idea of balance because I feel like for me personally, and I know I know that there's many, many women especially out there who feel the same, is that exercise has kind of been drilled into us through, um, you know, the media mostly, that it's this, you know, it's this really sort of hardcore thing and you've got to be absolutely exhausted by the end of it and it's all about waste, weight loss and body image and then on the other side of the fence you've got the mindfulness and the yoga you know kind of soft and gentle and that they're two very different things Mm. and I love that you guys um have managed to kind of create this form of movement for people that incorporates it all yeah 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 it's kind of like a bridge and I think that's um a bridge between the overly esoteric and then the, the more kind of mainstream and western uh, I think because both of us grew up. Did you grow up in a city, Caitlin? I remember you saying it was a hippie town. Mm, yeah, not early, but um, but I lived. You know, I lived. I went to school in the Bay Area, California, and you know, I lived in cities. So yeah, yeah you so definitely I, get caught up in that energy. Yeah, and I think that's actually just um, like you said, Jordana. The the mainstream fitness model currently is just this whole like divide and conquer and and Mm. your body is something to be controlled and and dominated and reduced into the target areas that you have to hone and shape to to the perfect bikini body 
Um, so I think we're all, that's all everyone's really ever known, anyone in the Western, in Western culture. Um, so I think for both of us, it's kind of been our own kind of journey in inward travels that have led us to more of this holistic style of training where we've kind of cherry picked the best bits from a whole bunch of modalities that have, that have kind of been healing for us. So anywhere that we've found gold, we've kind of gone, well, that was powerful. Um, and we'll integrate that and, and incorporate that into something that offers everything. Because I think you're right in terms of some of the uh, some some modalities and and methods are a little too esoteric for some people to to feel like they're accessible. So they're highly spiritual, and then you've got the kind of um, boot camps that are almost way too way too physical without any of the the spiritual and I think Wabi Sabi Well does a good job of bridging that gap and having some nice happy middle ground where it's all holistically it's all one whole not just let's all be up in our heads and totally spiritual and just almost levitating all the time or let's be big meatheads and like only focused on our physical form. So I guess that one of the main blocks when it comes to people's mindfulness practice is that they're just well they think that they're just not cut out for it or that it's something you know you either have or you don't have so what was the journey like for you guys and like were you were you born and raised like this or was it something that you learned through experience you know we have our stories are somewhat different um but there's a there's sort of some similar threads so um for me I was always you know an overachiever um and always long on motivation and um, I think the flip side of that is that I was really an anxious kid and I had a lot of you know anxiety and worry and you know kind of too much on my shoulders for being such a young person Um, and I sort of evolved into um, it evolved into an eating disorder and depression um, for me at a pretty young age I was a dancer growing up so there was a big emphasis on my body at that age um, where you're kind of blossoming so to speak and um, you know ballet is very hardcore about sort of in terms of you know whipping your body into submission and um, you know, with turnout and, you know, the size of your body and your breasts are too big or your legs, you know, your turn- all of it is just so physically focused. Yeah. So that was sort of, um, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of it for me. Uh, and then, you know, through the eating disorder was always just about control for me. It was never, I was never overweight. I never, you know, I think that's true for a lot of people. It was never really about um, not you know, not feeling like thin enough. It was just more about exercising some kind of control and calculating my calories down to the square root and exercising, you know, in excess and, um, and then, you know, eventually antidepressants and mood regulators and all of that. And I just couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. I didn't know what I felt anymore. And I just, I, I remember the moment that I, I literally was, um, sort of had this little epiphany and I just thought I just have to wake up every day and I have to make a decision about how I'm going to feel and you know and I get I say that with a footnote of I know that that isn't the case for everyone and not every situation is that and I'm not saying that that's the answer for everyone who finds themselves in that situation but for me it was sort of like 
I have to be really accountable. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of the journey for me into, you know, into, I guess, holistic wellness and, and thinking about how I create my own reality and all of that. Um, but at the same time, I was, my immune system got hit really hard. I had, um, mono, which I think you guys called, um, glandular fever. I think you guys call that glandular fever here. Um, and then I had dengue fever and Lyme disease. So I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease when I was about 20. And for about 10 years, I was really unwell and became, um, a long journey of healing for me to sort of rebuild my immune system. So, you know, in doing that, um, I, I really was disempowered by the medical system, the sort of Western medical system, and told that I just was going to have to live with Lyme disease for the rest of my life, and I just wasn't willing to accept that, and tried absolutely everything from, you know, homeopathy, naturopathy, vitamin injections, IVs, you know, ginger tea, every kind of, like, GI and blood test you could imagine, vitamin C flushes, um, you know, elimination diets, everything, and really threw myself into it, and I, I think it's, you know, when you come out the other side of something like that, you just kind of can't help but look back and go, that was the best thing that could have happened to me, because it set me on a trajectory to being really well, on every level and you know the last piece of the puzzle for me was was sort of slowing down and dealing with my type a achievement kind of being in this adrenal state and working myself to exhaustion and that mental aspect which you know i think gets back to it, it kind of comes full circle right like this whole i'm not enough is why we end up in these situations i think whether it's an eating disorder or depression or um you know any kind of like chronic fatigue picture you'll always find that there's a very similar personality that that happens to and you know I think that I think for me that was the last piece of the puzzle um and so that that's a bit of my I guess that's a bit of my journey into sort of how I became someone who was really interested in holistic wellness and fitness and meditation and spirituality is you know that I really found that to heal yourself, you have to take a holistic approach. You know, you can't just do one thing. You need to you need to address sort of every aspect of your life. I think, I think when you you know, it's a journey. We're all on a journey, and I think that when you're really open to that, and you're, you know, you kind of give yourself over to it, then you realize that it has to be all in. You know, you can't you can't. You can't sort of section off parts of parts of yourself or parts of your um, wellness and decide I'm going to work on this, but I'm not going to work on that. Or you know, it's I think I think it has to be a holistic approach for it to really really um, matter and make a difference in your life. Yeah, and make that um, that significant significant change. Yeah, I just I was just thinking um, just along that that vein. I think. Uh, a holistic approach in terms of looking and healing yourself but with a kind of um, that side note on a side note um, keeping in mind that I guess just uh, this is where the wabi-sabi and the actual term comes into it too that um, everything is imperfectly perfect and just to kind of relax your grip mm. on on things because I think part of my healing journey I don't, I don't even want to say 
sounds very cliche. Everyone's got everyone's on a journey, especially in Byron. Um, but in terms, <laughs> in terms of my what, what's brought me to this place where I am now, um, there was a lot of yeah. From where I stand now, if I if I look back, I'm so grateful for uh, for everything that I went through because it's kind of what. Um, you know, it's 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 what caused me to turn inward and really gave me the compulsion to try and um, seek and heal myself, and then and then feel a responsibility to offer that to others. Um, but I also realize now, in retrospect, that part of the um, just that fixating on fixing kept me really really stuck. Mm. Um, I had this idea that I was just fucked up and always always would be or just kind of wondering if I always would be and then getting fixated on that um, was actually part of the problem um, in terms of just that you know that harsh analytical scraping they, they mm. there's a saying you know if you if you need to heal a wound you can't heal a wound by by constantly touching yeah. it and poking it yeah, yeah. So I think um, what was really transformational for me was um, adopting wabi-sabi, which is really um, about allowing yourself to be imperfect and knowing that you're already whole and complete exactly as you are, that nothing is fully complete. Everything's, you know, transient and imperfect and imperfectly perfect. Um, and I'll, I'll go into, I'll cast back into my story again, but I'm going to loop back around, but... With the definition of wabi-sabi, um, that's probably a good mm, uh, place to start. Yeah, it's um, basically, in a nutshell, um, finding the beauty in imperfection. And it's not uh, people often get it confused with um, wasabi, which is <laughs> which is far from what we're talking about how. here. <laughs> yeah, I can too. So it's so phonetically like frivolous and and fun to roll off your tongue, but it's actually deeply profound. Um, and it's a worldview as well as an aesthetic, which I also love. Um, it's intimately tied to Zen Buddhism, and if people have a little bit of extra time, there's a really great Wikipedia article on it. But to condense it into something bite-sized, it's just, um, I guess, a way of living that focuses on, as I said, really finding the beauty and imperfection and appreciating the wisdom in nature and really understanding that everything's incomplete and, and transient um, and I guess a really nice way of there's something in a Japanese concept um, about where they take um, you know artifacts and artworks and sculptures that have been broken and they mend the cracks with gold so they kind of aggrandize the damage and say that it's worth more um, because of those cracks which I think is such a perfect and beautiful analogy for yourself, the areas that you think are your flaws and the areas, you know, your little your little damaged areas, um, you can really fill them with gold and they become the source of your beauty and wellsprings for um, everything good. So it's just that that kind of concept, um, I guess, that, I've, that really made the difference for me and I, I share common threads. In Caitlin's story, I don't want to kind of walk us through this whole journey of um, I was born and then this happened and this <laughs> happened. But it's all on the website, but I share the common threads of um, an eating disorder. Uh, mine stemmed, I guess, if I cast my mind back to earliest memories, what what I've found all the way back there 
is just um, my first recollection of feeling really out of place was just the fact that I was the odd little duckling in the family. I, I said that the, my family is like the Navi people from Avatar that just tower above everyone and long limbs and my brother and sister because um, I was always the sensitive one of the family too and they loved just having a go at me. And, and knew that they could get me to explode really quite easily or break down quite easily. And it was always um, taunts along the lines of, you're adopted and you're fat. And, and I would, was far from, but I was a normal I was a normal body shape and different. So in comparison to them, I kind of started looking at myself and going, oh, I am different. Uh, and I think that was fine, but it, it was just that seedling sense of otherness that kind of took root then and then continued to kind of, Grow, and I, I guess I just kept collecting evidence mm. that supported this sense of I'm not like the others, and there's something wrong with me. Um, and I think that really just kind of I hit I hit high school, and that was where it really um, became a big problem. And there was yeah, so I I kind of deferred. It was puberty. I think a lot of girls actually. Uh, it's when you hit puberty, and it's just a really tough time with hormones and um just wanting to fit in at school and I think a lot of girls in high school share that same uh, I think a lot of girls find it challenging in high school so for me I just kind of really my body was um you know obviously developing and I was a real tomboy so I was hanging with all my might onto just staying the Peter Pan syndrome yeah um, just staying staying a child and and everyone was growing up around me and becoming interested in different things and suddenly it was all about uh, what you wear and you know just being cool and I, I just again felt like okay I don't I don't fit in I'm not like everyone else and um, I guess my way of dealing with that along with things that were happening at home and stuff I just I just shut down everything I kind of just put a halt to all development um, deferred deferred puberty and, and I guess just moved up um, to higher ground so I was just living in my head and, and really rejected my body completely, my physical, I just kind of went, I don't even want to be here anymore um, so yeah, eating disorder and that stuck with me for a long time there was many relapses and getting better and relapses and, and it kind of shape shifted into addictions as well drug addictions and just anxiety and uh, they all kind of love hanging out together under the same umbrella so I think there's probably a lot of people that that share the same kind of story or resonate with that but yeah I guess it was just uh, all of that that really I I guess I came to the same place um, as Caitlin in terms of wanting to be well you know finding that desire because I did go from not wanting to be here literally just suicidal thoughts circling in my head and, and really just not wanting to be here anymore to shifting into a, a place of I'm wanting to be well um, and and from that comes that insatiable need to find the fixes and then along with that also that kind of tricky little slippery um, you know striving to fix and achieve and, and the strain and pushing that that brings with it and the idea, getting stuck on this idea that you're damaged and broken. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of collectively for a lot of people, it just grows more broken behavior and more shame. And Brene Brown's really good um, in that department. Um, mm. 
and I think it's just yeah as soon as you kind of relax your grip on on that and realize that you, you're fine as you are it's okay and you are already whole and complete it kind of creates enough space for you yeah I think this is where the whole wabi-sabi thing was just um that final piece of the puzzle for me really embracing that as a way of life and that's how it kind of bled into um this this holistic formula because it's basically it's almost like a devotional reminder as well as a, ma- a method so it's really taking all those things along along my travels that really um had an impact or helped in some way and kind of packaging them up into this little daily devotional reminder um but yeah i guess over time really um has it has a cumulative effect of of really shaping your mind as well as your body it's still got all those beautiful benefits of of fitness that people are after but it's just it's just reframing and, and shifting from one approach to a more um healthy and healing and holistic approach yeah and i think oh sorry Jordana. no no that's okay i was just gonna say i think it's i think it's beautiful i it really resonates with me i i definitely came from um a past of intense over exercising um, sort of going through bouts of, you know, really putting myself through the ringer, you know, three times a day and then, you know, dying of exhaustion and kind of resorting to the other side of the spectrum where I wouldn't do anything and I'd feel really unmotivated. And then, you know, I'd take up, um, you know, marathon running because that was going to be the answer. <laughs> that was going to be the fix. And then, you know, yeah. I'd injure myself. And so I'd go back to yoga and then, that wasn't enough so then I'd be you know a, a CrossFit superstar and it's this constant constant search for the answer for perfection for you know that holy grail yeah well it's funny yeah. you say perfection because that's what I just wanted to jump in on was this whole you know like perfectionistic we just I think that we wear it as a badge of honor almost and I know I'm you know sort of because I fit into that um achievement addict <laughs> um the perfectionism thing is a really 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 potent thing for people to think about because we we kind of honor it we're sort of like this is great this is I'm a, it qualifies us as being you know um motivated and polished and um and in reality, you know, there's that Elizabeth Gilbert quote I love, but she says perfectionism is just fear and fancy shoes and a mink coat. Yeah. And, you know, she's sort of like, you know, she's just saying that beneath the surface of all that is the exhaustion and the misery and the loneliness of fear. And it's, you know, it's sort of like putting lipstick on a pig, as we say. In the States, you know, it's like, it's thinly veiled disguise for I'm not enough and so we throw ourselves into things and you know I I think even in our sort of like realm of holistic wellness and yoga and you know eating well and all of that it can be really interesting to watch the judgment that happens in those circles um, and even just you know that people go so hardcore they're like okay well now I'm I'm going to become a vegetarian and then that's not enough that's not extreme enough so then they become a vegan and that's not extreme mm-hmm. enough and then they become a raw foodist and that's not you know what I mean it's yeah. like 
there's this real, and I'm not, I'm not um, sort of demonizing any of those choices. I'm just saying that I think there can be this tendency in our culture to like go whole hog with things, and we're kind of missing the point over and over and over again. And I think that was something that really. Um, that really calls to Brianne and, and eyes is sort of like ditch the dogma is a, is a phrase that we like to throw around because it's like, even with yoga, you know, like how many people are intimidated because they're afraid they're not good enough to just like show up to a yoga class. Like I, so many of my friends, um, have never been to a yoga class because they're too intimidated and they're afraid that they're not good enough to, to show up. And, you know, one of the things that we really, like, in cherry-picking all this stuff, it's like, you can take what you need. Like, you don't have to throw yourself whole hog into this. You don't have to, like, get on some crazy program or, you know, stop eating this or stop eating that or run every single day for X miles and burn this many calories on the elliptical machine. Like, yeah. it's not about any of that. And it's, you know, it's about sort of, like, for us, you know, part of our mission is to sort of remove those barriers for in, uh, to entry and sort of say like come and try this other way of doing things because I think the resistance that you can find to something like this is people go well but there's not like a workout schedule and there's not like a program and like what how many calories am I supposed to eat and it's this you have to sort of like take this leap of faith into living in a really intuitive way um, and then you find that you fall into this beautiful rhythm where you move in response to what your body needs from day to day and you eat that way and you make choices that way from this place of wholeness and you, you sidestep all of these sort of addictive perfectionistic patterns. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was just wanting to chime in as well with the whole... Um... I get it's intention driven exercise when you I was I was when you were saying that you know sometimes even in yoga I've actually been along to um I love yoga but I, I went along to an Ashtanga class and was told that eventually I'd have to pick one that I couldn't kind of hop around to different classes mm. I'd eventually have to pick one so I never went back to that class and it's this idea that as Caitlin was saying you know um your your body is we tend to think of our bodies as just this fixed hunk of meat like this flesh and bones and it's it's fixed whereas it's much more like a flickering flame you think about it our minds how much our minds inform our body and you can really break it down and go okay look at an emotion like anger and you can feel heart is racing heat in the skin like sweat possibly there's all these physical responses to thoughts and feelings we're having so our mind informs our body moment to moment and our body informs our mind so really if you're taking that understanding and then putting it into your workout it means that you can show up on a day and really we guide people to tune in and and feel into what they need in that moment um, and set an intention around that so based on that intention that guides the movement for the day if it's an intention say you're on your moon cycle and you haven't had much sleep then the worst thing you could possibly do maybe you're really stressed out is to go along to an insane boot camp that like and the, the terminology they use is perfect too that smashes you and ruins you and your wrecks you know like all this <laughs> that's exactly what it will do to you it'll cause a cortisol response the stress hormone which is actually counter 
productive for those who are wanting to lose weight anyway. Um, it, it shuts that mechanism down and, and causes you to retain weight. Whereas if you were to show up on your mat, take a moment just to tune in, and that's what we're doing is just developing that intuitive listening, um, kind of mastering the bit ability to, to listen and respond to your body, then you'd feel that for that day you need something that's nourishing and restorative. You'd be able to then move through the mat, you know, move through your emotions um, and fulfill on that and give your body exactly what it needs, which then feeds your mind, which then creates this beautiful cycle of, of wellness that everyone is actually pursuing. Really, we all just want to be well and happy. And people might have these body ideals and goals, which is perfectly fine. I really strongly, I'm really confident that you, you actually attain those more by taking your grip off the, you know, steering wheel and the, your foot off the acceleration and kind of just allowing allowing your body to, to guide you to that naturally. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so true. I was gonna I was gonna say the irony is that um, by honoring by honoring your body in that way, you actually end up losing weight, and mm. you know, like all of these things that people want or as as sort of external goals through exercise. Um, they happen naturally when you honor the cycles of your body. And I love, um, Jordana, are you familiar with Dr. Libby Weaver? Yes. Love. Yeah. We were just raving about her yesterday. Actually. Oh, she's, yeah, she's amazing. And I love, you know, her whole rushing woman's syndrome theory. I think yeah. it's just so, so, so relevant to women. And that was, you know, it's just when you think about like the, the issues that sort of plague women these days, you know, that, the whole body image thing and the weight loss and even reproductive health, you know, like there's so many women that I know that, you know, are struggling to get pregnant or, um, having some kind of, you know, they're on a fertility journey. And I think it's, you know, when we start paying attention to like, well, what are we doing habitually? You know, like, are we actually living in, in rhythm with our bodies? And no, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly, sort of in this um, fight or flight, you know, parasympathetic state and, you know, the, oh, sorry, sympathetic, thank you, Um, and that's baby brain, speaking of babies, (laughs) I've got two, and they do, they like eat your brain cells, Um, but the whole rest, digest, repair, reproduce state, like we're never in that in this world like we're never we're always on we're either like you know pushing ourselves in sort of every aspect of our lives and that doesn't that doesn't produce the results that we all desire which you know I I think you know we all want to feel well we all want to have energy we all want to you know feel fertile and in balance and feel light in body and mind and the things that we have been taught to do just they don't actually the long game with that is is not effective no and that's exactly what I was saying with my healing journey it was when I realized I I could stop pushing and striving and fixating on fixing that was when the real transformation Mm -hmm. and healing happened yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about um I mean we've touched on it a little bit with the um sympathetic nervous system but the the perils of over exercising because you know it is drummed into us that we need to you know do these hardcore exercises every day we need to be sweating you know we need to be out of breath all the rest of it 
um, and it can be counterproductive, like you said, Caitlin. So, so what are some of the perils, do you think, um, that people are facing when they are constantly exercising like this? I think, well, it's just adding to that. It's just adding to the, that stress. We're already kind of maxed out. You know, we've reached, um, it's, if you look at, we still have, and Libby Weaver is the one that we um, have kind of read up on all about this. She says that we still share the same um, caveman biochemistry. You know, we've still got, like the world has evolved, but our bodies are, are ancient. So we still have that same caveman biochemistry, which means that back then in the caveman days, uh, we'd literally in an entire lifetime only come into contact with our little tribe of people and perhaps, you know, a few, a smattering of others at a, a stream crossing or whatnot. And then you look at today's society where there's just people everywhere and then there's loud noises and traffic and you've got deadlines and your boss is screaming at you and you've got all of these added pressures and stresses, not just on your nervous system, that, mm. that we're already kind of everything is reinforcing that that body disconnect and reinforcing like kind of pulling us into being in this constant fight or flight um so in that state uh a a number of things are happening but basically you're already uh, i've got two tangents two well not really not tangents but two two things to talk about um your cortisol is a stress hormone so it you need a little bit you need a level of cortisol but if you have too much of it then you end up in burnout so a lot of kind of adrenal fatigue um and chronic fatigue and all all those kind of things come from people just just burning the candle at both ends um and just being in that chronic state of fight or flight until finally there's just gives in um so what can happen if you're already in a really high-stress job and maybe you've got relationship things going on or, and you live in the city and then you're going to – you're dragging yourself out of bed, you know, at 5 a.m., even though you've only had a four-hour sleep, to get yourself to boot camp. And I used to see this all the time because I worked in a corporate gym in the city. Sometimes my clients would come having had no sleep or they'd have two or three. I'd always have to check in with them and be like, how much sleep have you had today? What happens if you train hard – in that when you're already maxed out your body's just pumping out cortisol Mm -hmm. which means that yeah everything shuts down so there's also in fight or flight mode when you're in that sympathetic nervous system because you need all the blood rushes out of your stomach into your limbs into your arms for fighting or into your legs for sprinting to, to the hills to escape whatever it is that um, is causing you know danger or is seen as danger to you. So we're kind of living in this place of thinking our bodies, based on the fact that it's the same caveman biochemistry, are in this constant state of fear and I'm under attack, um, which means that no digestion's happening. So all the food we're putting into us is not being assimilated. So in terms of um, the effect of those really intense I love I am the first person to say give me like a a high intensity cardio session I want all those endorphins and that big rush so I I'm not someone who's who's you know just against doing doing cardio and those kind of activities it's just about balance if you're always doing them without kind of taking a moment to 
feel into your body and see how it's going, um, you're going to end up with those cortisol problems. And the people that are the ones that are so dedicated and showing up every every day at 5 a.m. because are the ones that usually most want to fit into their bikinis and be summer ready. Um, and they're the ones that are actually taken further and further from that goal because this whole time their their efforts are actually just putting them in this fight or flight mode, cortisol problems and and no digestion and and, uh, metabolic breakdown kind of zone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, and you talked a lot about cortisol and you're like, what does that look like? It looks like fatigue it looks like total adrenal fatigue and that's you see so much of that now with people who have sort of these inexplicable chronic fatigue syndromes or you know um hormonal issues or hair loss or you know can't lose weight or you know digestive issues gut issues like so much of that um is tied back to this feeling like putting your body under constant stress and, you know, it kind of goes back to what Brianne said um, early in our conversation about, you know, this this idea that our bodies, like, need to be controlled and, you know, that there are hunks of meat and all of that. It's like, well, actually, the body has so much wisdom. <laughs> mm. And all we, all we need to do is kind of, like, step back a little bit, trust, and there will be this moment, you know, between... Um, especially if you're kind of used to like having a specific kind of hardcore workout program or you're a CrossFitter or something like that, um, which, you know, I've, I'm, I've had my share of um, <laughs> like diving into those kind of things too. But there's this moment where you go, I like you feel like you're free falling because you're like, I don't have a program. I don't have like I'm just supposed to wake up and do what my body feels like. That sounds crazy mm-hmm. and scary. And like I'm just going to wake up and be like, you know, a tub of love on the couch eating ice cream and you know like I'm spiral out of control and then I'm going to be homeless and I'm not going to have a job and no one will love me like like I think that that's what that's where we go with that idea of like loosening the grip a little bit but in reality like it's it's sort of like taking a back seat like putting your ego in the back seat and going hey like body you tell me what's up and the body knows like it didn't it didn't evolve overnight like the body has so much wisdom in it and we just have to sort of find a way to honor it um so there's that then on the other hand like I also think it's super fun you know like I think it's so boring to wake up and be like okay I'm gonna go sit on the elliptical for 45 minutes or until I burn 530 calories like please no like life is too short for that like go do a dance workout for 45 minutes if you want like do 100 squat jumps go do a kundalini yoga class like or lie in shavasana for 45 minutes if that's what you feel like you yeah. need so like have a nap but it's really exciting and it's really liberating when you actually try to sort of embrace that and um and it makes it makes your day feel like playful and adventurous and um, you find a rhythm with things and you kind of tune into your intuition and like there's so many flow-on effects from making this sort of like this this shift in your life um, because you start to trust yourself and you trust your body and you you just sort of change your perspective on all of it and um, you know I always am reminded by my kids like this whole element of play and and the way that they just the intuition that kids have about like they eat when they're hungry when they're full they're not like 
you know, finishing the what's on their plate just to finish it. And yeah. they move their bodies in this really organic way. And like even temper tantrums, you know, my husband and I were just talking about this, like the conventional sort of wisdom is like, oh, don't let them have a temper tantrum and, um, you know, shut that down. But I think that, you know, there can be this balance of saying, okay, honor that. Like, I can see that you're upset and you're feeling frustrated, and that's cool. So when you, like, get that out of your system, let's come talk to me and, um, and you know, we can figure out a solution. And I think it's really great because they get this, they get this like, energy out of their bodies. They move this energy through their bodies. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that in terms of, like, informing how we as adults move through life is that we can kind of – push things down we push down our intuition we push down our feelings we push down you know frustration and how are you ever going to get it out how are you ever going to unearth that um unless you start like living responsive responsibly yeah so so let's talk about that because i think you're right i think we're sort of we're innately born with this and as children we listen to um you know our hunger intuition, our movement, our temper tantrums. But as we get older, we kind of suppress it and we lose it as adults. So how do people tap into honoring their body, trusting their body, listening to their body? Mm. I was listening to all that and just thinking, um, actually, I just want to say Caitlin and Lars actually do talk to the, the children that way. Um, <laughs> come and talk to us when you're ready. <laughs> They'll settle down. Um <laughs> But in terms of, uh, I've just, this has been something I've discovered later in life as I was um, just being able to, let's take um, anger is actually, because um, we work a lot with the energy centers and anger is related to your solar plexus, which is really where we resource our sense of self and our, our self-worth and confidence. Uh, and if, if you allow yourself to express that beautiful, fiery, energy that is anger you're actually going to have yourself a very healthy solar plexus mm-hmm. and you'll develop with all those resources intact if you're someone who thinks anger is a bad emotion and I'll, I'll you know put that in this little pigeonhole over here that's bad and wrong and don't express this one um, then you end up growing up and being someone who's overly passive and a pushover and a bit scattered and and you have a deficiency in in that energy center so i think uh in terms of like as as adults it's just that we're told what's etiquette and what's appropriate which actually i think has a really detrimental effect on us um we kind of it's not and this is something we explore in workouts too i'll I'll often be down down at the park and if someone's made an intention that's um heart center related or that that they really just kind of need to get out of their head, then we'll bust out dance moves and we'll just be frog in a sock style, like just all over the shop. <laughs> and people will be looking at me going, what are they doing? Secretly, they're all envious. And I found out later, they've kind of like been inquired. But the basis of that is just to go, cool, let's let your body express what it wants to express. And let's really like get out of our comfort zones and and they're only there because we're conditioned we're so socialized and conditioned and institutionalized to act a certain way that it's so freeing to bust out of that and actually just yeah come back to that playful place that you existed in as a child where anything goes like you're feeling this express it and as I said before the mind informs the body the body informs the mind the body informs informs, I'm tripping over my words, 
the mind and the mind informs the body. So if you have, if you're feeling something, your body naturally wants to express that. If you repress it, then it actually stays in your body mm-hmm. and becomes um, an injury, a chronic inflammation and ache, things that come back, they'll haunt you if you don't kind of go and peel back the layers and pull it up by the roots and let it have its day in the sun, you know, and express whatever that ancient kind of emotion was that you buried deep, deep down in there. Yeah, I love that. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. In terms of, can I just jump in? Because yeah. I think in terms of like a practical takeaway, um, I mean, obviously we would love it. We have a bunch of free work- workouts on, on the website that people are most welcome to, to try um, because I think that's a really great way to just get like a taste of what we're talking about. Um, because we sort of encourage, you know, setting an intention in the beginning of the workout, and that can be sort of a nice moment to tune in and think about, like, how you want to feel. Because what we like to say is sort of that our workouts are a bridge between how you feel right now and how you want to feel. Yeah. And it's sort of like an intentional way of, of you know, exercising, but that, that carries on throughout your day. Um, but just a simple suggestion would be um, – I mean, Frog in a Sock dance party is kind of like my my jam right now, I have to say. Like, my kid came up to me, and he's, like, teary, and he's like, I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't like your dance moves, mama. (laughs) And I was like, I looked at him, and I was like, okay, right on. Well, that's cool, but you know what? My dance moves make me feel good, so... I'm gonna, you know, like I'm gonna go carry on with my frog in the sock dance workout, and um, thank you for voicing your concern. But it is not the whole like, even if your kid hates your dance moves, or like the people in the park think you're cray, um, close your eyes. Yeah, mm, yeah. It's, it's like such a simple thing, and you it like immediately shuts down that sort of connection with the outside world, and you start feeling into your body. And you could be doing yoga, you could be doing squats, you can be doing your frog in the sock dance. Um, anything, any kind of exercise, movement, whatever, you will automatically pay more attention to how your body feels. Um, you will automatically begin to move more intuitively, and you will like you will move in a way that you that will sort of um, move blockages of energy in your body without even having to think about it. You know, you'll find yourself like jumping up and down really hard, or um, you know, swiveling your hips in this sort of like you know, sensual, sacral chakra kind of way, you know, like you'll, your body will tell you. And, um, that's just a simple way to try it. So maybe check out one of our workouts and do it with your eyes closed and just see what happens, you know, like dance, like no one's watching. That's such a sort of ubiquitous, um, little quote now, but there's, there is a lot of wisdom in it, you know? That totally isn't it. Actually, I know, kid you not, exactly what I was doing just before I got on this call. And I had to sit and go, oh, i just got to kind of catch my breath. And I think (laughs) it's the moment you close your eyes because you can no longer hook into those visual stimulants, you know, things that kind of trigger more thoughts. Yeah, you do turn inward. So definitely subscribe to that. Especially if, and I, I was doing it before the interview, because I knew my brain had kind of gone to sleep because I've been doing a mundane task for the, the last mm-hmm. few hours, and I'm like, ah, oh, I need to shift shift my energy. So I'm gonna, and I just yeah, busted some moves, got really happy, and your heart sinks. You can feel like mm-hmm. this euphoria um, mm-hmm. come over you, and if you're feeling euphoria, it means that 
yeah, you just have this beautiful free flow of energy through the meridian lines. That's where that kind of state comes from. So right with you on that one. Beautiful. I love that. So what does a um, what does an average workout look like with you guys? It sounds exciting with all this dancing in the park. Well, we've got to get you. We've got to get you a session. Yeah. Try it. Oh, oh my god, absolutely. So this is what Skype size is then. Yeah, yeah, so Skype size is awesome. I'm the last person I thought that would ever do online workouts or anything. I'm not one of those people that ever used to buy DVDs or do anything online. Now I'm in the park with my iPad or you're at home and it's a cold winter's night and it's dark and, and you can still get your workout in or uh, because I'm having a session, I get to kind of uh, get to exercise and then step outside and uh, my room and make dinner. So it's it's super convenient. It takes away all that kind of hassle of fighting traffic and finding parks and then people being on gym equipment and getting from A to Z. Yeah. Um, and it just was, was someone making a request from overseas. They obviously just geographically couldn't couldn't have access to sessions, so they asked about online sessions, and I was. I'm like sure let's give it a shot and see if it works and it, it works wonderfully I'm like the biggest convert there is but so in terms of linking back to your question with what the sessions look like it's um you can explain certain elements but it's also um as Caitlin was saying really intuitive and because it's intention driven every session is different based on on what the intention is but every session is, is kind of bookended by well the the in, the beginning we do um, some kind of stretching flow yogic kind of inspired movement that um, clears the energy pathway so that that intention can come through clearly because sometimes we've just woken up or it's the end of the day and and our spines are compressed from sitting and we feel blocked and stuff in the light we don't have the clarity of thought to really be able to um, reach inside and, and feel into what it is that we need. So a little bit of movement is often just enough to kind of open those energy pathways um, and, and have that intention find you. Um, the middle is the, the workout, and depending on what the intention is, it can include all sorts of things. So, with, you know, we've got the traditional fitness style elements along with things that work into the energy centers um, and mindful movement and then at the end of every session we always kind of seal the session with some kind of um, meditation which includes a gratitude ritual um, and a mantra and that really helps yeah I guess just keep you energized for the rest of the day I think with the the kind of um, really high intensity workouts what you often find is that there's this 3 p.m. crash because you're leaking energy all day you've just smashed yourself and then the rest of the day you're kind of like you you get this it's like a sugar spike you get this amazing high and then you kind of come crashing down whereas doing those uh, really nourishing elements at the end like finding your mantra for the day as a touchstone you know a little reminder of your intention um, and doing the gratitude ritual, which is really being clinically proven to just make you a generally happier a person and raise your vibration. Those kind of elements at the end and the meditation um, really just nicely seal the session. So that, that's a general overview of how they look. I think the beauty of the, of the sort of formula that we use is 
that for a lot of people, um, you know, they might not have time to like do cardio and do yoga and meditate and do a gratitude ritual. And you, like, it can feel a little bit overwhelming to try and incorporate all of those things into your day. Right. Like, we're all pretty stretched for time. So the nice thing is that if, even if you don't, you know, you don't have the time to sort of do those things separately or all of those things separately, you, it's sort of, you get the whole package, you know, you kind of tick all of those boxes in one go and mind, body, soul, like the whole, the whole, the whole shebang. Um, let's just quickly, just before we finish up, I just want to go back to Shavasana, Caitlin, because Mm -hmm. I, I am a big advocate of Shavasana too, and I used to race out of the room because <laughs> I had to go back to work if I was doing it on my lunch break or whatever, and now it is never long enough. Yeah. Um, but let's just talk about the effects of lying there and, and soaking in all of that energy that you've created. Well, I guess the, the theory behind Shavasana is that it gives your body the chance to integrate and sort of absorb all the benefits of of your yoga practice. Um, so it allows the energy to circulate and allows your body to relax and, um, it's soothing to the, to the nervous system. And one of the things that I really love, like just symbolically is that we come from this moment of stillness. And then, um, a lot of times we'll have people sort of roll over onto their right side and you're in this sort of fetal position and rise up. And I love this sort of symbolism of being reborn, um, a return to animation, coming to life and leaving these old and dead parts of ourselves on the mat behind us, like shedding a skin. Mm. Um, and I think that there's this, I, I, I love those sort of like moments in your day where you can go like, I'm leaving this behind. Like I'm symbolically like parting ways with whatever it is that I want to let go of. So there's this, I love that. I love that occasion for, um, sort of decisively and intentionally making a making a shift, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the sciencey stuff, um, shavasana decreases the beta brain waves, and those are our, like logical problem solving, sort of critical thinking um, mind, and the slower brain waves come in to play. That alpha and theta yabby. Is that right? I think that's what they're called. But at any rate, they're the slower brain waves. And they that helps us access intuition and creativity and imagination. Um, and that's, you know, I think that, like, it's obvious that I think most of us could use a little more inspiration and sort of, like, intuitive guidance in our lives. Um, so I think, for me, those are, the, those are like, some, some pretty worthwhile reasons to lay on my back for as long as possible after a workout. <laughs> um, but also, you know, there's this whole, the contrast of it as well, this sort of like movement and stillness, you know, they're like we've, Brian and I have always said they're like, um, um, how did you put it, Brian? Like the holy, the holiest of the holy matrimonies. It's like a match made in yeah. Um, and we we talk about that a lot, you know, as we sort of continue to do this work together is, you know, the contrasting of the stillness it, it creates after you've had all this in high intensity movement, um, or even if it's not like crazy high intensity, but you've, you've gotten a sweat on and then you're laying there in stillness, you've kind of created the perfect conditions for presence and mindfulness. 
and it's really you know it's really easy to become sort of a portal into presence because you feel the energy in your body and like you know if if that sounds foreign to someone what I mean is like you can feel um your breath you can feel your heartbeat you can feel like a tingling maybe in your hands or your feet you feel the muscles sort of um, relaxing and exhaustion. Those, all of those things are, you know, signs of our aliveness, and it just gives us a, it's a, it's a good hack, I guess, into mindfulness. And especially, you know, it's a nice. I think it's a nice hack for people who are like a little bit resistant to the idea of meditation, or like say, you know, I have a hard time quieting my mind. That's a really nice way to find a little bit of a moment and it's like just stay present and just like if you use that time to just it's not a time to like think about your to-do list or like what you need to pick up from the grocery store or like what you're going to say in that email to that one girl it's like a time to just be and so do yeah instead of being and so doing yeah and and we we think a lot too like we're human beings not human doings yeah and, yeah so good <laughs> And, um, and so, yeah, like try that, you know, like as a, as a sort of gateway. And so also another, you know, little way to try and connect with your body is when you're, after you've done a workout, like, and it doesn't matter, you don't have to do a Wabi Sabi workout, like do your run, do your CrossFit, like whatever it is that is your jam, do that. And then at the end, like lay down right away and just have like a one minute, three minute, five minute Shavasana and just just pay attention to your body and the aliveness in your body and use that as sort of a bridge to mindfulness. Mm. And it was definitely for me as well, the gateway drug into meditation. I couldn't sit still for two minutes in my mm-hmm. first yoga class. I didn't finish it. As soon as everyone had their eyes closed, I left the room and got on the treadmill. Um, so <laughs> when Caitlin was talking about, uh, and you asked, were we born this way? I was definitely not born a yogi or a meditator. Um, but, yeah, I guess just the best kind of hack for those who find it hard to sit still or have an A-type personality and, yeah, are just busy, busy doing, doing, doing um, and, and find it hard to just be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is, it, is a nice, it is a nice gateway. It's that sort of integration into the next step, which is also really fun to explore, but we don't really have time to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> but... next time, next time. <laughs> yeah. We, we would just talk you into eternity yeah. if you like. <laughs> I could stay here all afternoon. I was just looking at the clock and I was like, oh, my God, can we have a two-hour podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we can. <laughs> Me um, and Caitlin certainly could. Yeah, no, I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could. Caitlin and I, I always say and then correct myself. No, you don't have Caitlin to do that on here. Yeah. Um, so if people want to find out more about um, you beautiful ladies and what you do, where should they go? Um, our website is wabisabiwell.com, and I'll just spell that. Um, so it's W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I dot com, and you can also find us on Instagram same thing it's just at Wabi Sabi Well or on Facebook um, and yeah on the website is a great place to start because we have tons of free resources obviously we've talked a lot about the exercise components and the workouts um, but we also have some guided meditations and um Rituals. So we have like a full moon ritual and a new moon ritual and also recipes for things like um, acai bowls and chia pudding and yeah, fun, fun, tasty, healthy treats like that. So lots of goodies to explore there. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you have to go check out the um, 
moon rituals. I wanted to talk about that too, but we could be here. We could be here for a really long time, but they're really beautiful. Oh, thank you. No, you're welcome. Yeah. And the and the um and the vlogs as well are really great. Talking more. No, but yeah, I, yeah. Um, you know, a big focus of the Inspired Table is improving your relationship with food, and you guys did a beautiful vlog on that. Oh, thank, oh, you, thank you. Yeah, no, you yeah, we love we love what you're doing, and um, it's mm. funny because we discovered you um, after we sort of done that. It's like, oh, it's so funny when you, you know, you you're out there like having these ideas and sort of gestating these ideas I guess even and then you find someone that's totally on the same page and you you know and then you and then you get to connect with them it's so yeah. great I just love I love the crossovers um and I love yeah we just love what you're doing so good oh, on you thank you thank you so much this has been an absolute pleasure I I mean I knew it was going to be amazing but you ladies are <laughs> have taken it to the next level it's been fantastic so thank you so much thanks thank for you having so much. us yeah oh, thanks for so having us um, you're so we'll, welcome maybe we'll start a podcast so we can like um, just talk all day and oh, I know <laughs> I was just about to say oh Jordana will hang up and me and Kate continue we're going to talk about yeah, I get in trouble because I'll just be like giggling into my phone all night and <laughs> my boyfriend just rolls his eyes. Oh, we're yeah, just, we're, we're yeah. always like texting or like on on the phone chit-chatting and yeah, we get in trouble for like not not turning off. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to head on over to the blog www.theinspiredtable.com.au And if you're searching for a little bit of inspiration before next week's episode, make sure you join me on Instagram at The Inspired Table or you can find me over on Facebook. Until then, have an inspiring week.